0: Here's a look at what's going on this week at Abundant Life. Jesus Among Secular Gods is an equipment Center class which answers difficult questions about science, the Bible, evolution, atheism, the Big Bang, and religious equality. The classes take place on Sundays starting January 20th through February 24th from 12 to 1.30 p.m. Child care is available with pre-registration. Be sure to save the date for our upcoming 30th anniversary, celebrating God's faithfulness to ALCF and three years of pastoral leadership by Pastor Brian Loritz. This special event takes place on Sunday, March 3rd from 6 to 8 p.m. in the sanctuary and features guest speaker Bishop Ulmer and the choir from Faithful Central Bible Church in Los Angeles, as well as our annual Servant Leader Award. Join Beth Anslem and Sandra Lewis-Williams for the next women's Bible study, Anxious for Nothing, in which they'll explore the assurances that God hears our prayers and promises peace according to Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7, as presented in the book Anxious for Nothing by Max Lucado. The meetings take place on Sundays starting January 20th through February 24th from 1230 to 2 p.m. And get ready for 10 Women of the Bible, another women's Bible study in which Max Lucado shares some of his favorite accounts of women featured in the Bible, including Sarah, Abigail, Esther, the Samaritan woman, Mary Magdalene, and others. The meetings take place on Tuesdays, starting February 5th through April 16th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. in the chapel. Don't miss Get In Sunday, A great opportunity to meet our leadership, get exposed to our growth groups, and discover ways to use your unique abilities at Abundant Life. Join us on January 13th from 12 to 1.30 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall and back parking lot for this great event, which also includes lunch. If you're married or engaged, we've got you covered with three special events. The topic for the next Couples Night Out event is blessing and strengthening your bond. Make plans to join the Hanes along with other ALCF couples for a fun-filled evening of fellowship, which includes dinner and dessert. This event takes place on Saturday, February 9th from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. And get ready for some fun and interactive learning tools to help strengthen communication within your relationship at the Couples Communication Workshop. This event takes place on Saturday, February 16th from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. Don't miss God's Plan for Marriage, a marriage enrichment workshop in which the Harveys will lay a foundation for the big picture of marriage. This event takes place on Sunday, February 17th from 12 to 2 p.m. Child care is available for these three events with advance registration at alcf.net slash signups. To sign up for any of these upcoming events, go to alcf.net slash check out the ALCF app. And remember, Abundant Life exists to make a better you for a better world.
1: Now, Father, would you speak to us from your word today? Uh, I pray, Lord God, that you would challenge us, uh, that you would give me clarity of thought, concision of speech. And I do pray, Lord God, that you would take uh, these few pieces of fish and few loaves of bread and feed your people. Uh, to that end, Lord God, that we would be the kind of body, be the kind of people you have called us to be. Do it, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. If you have your Bibles, meet me in First Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, As you're turning there, let me just uh, remind us, we kicked off our men's huddle yesterday, uh, but with the holiday weekend uh, coming up this coming weekend, we will not be meeting, the men's huddle will not be meeting uh, this Saturday uh, coming up, but we will reconvene on the 26th. We're going through 33, the series, A Man and His Story. So you'll definitely want to get in on that. And then also... um, uh, Covenant Partner Sunday, this is ALCF, our lunch. For those of you who are here and you've been hanging out with us and you've just been saying, man, I'd, I'd love to hear some more about the vision, the value, the history, the story of abundant life, you want to get in on our This is ALCF lunch that's happening the last Sunday of this month, uh, January 27th. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, pick me up in verse 12, the guy who wrote this, his name is Paul. Paul says these words, "...for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free." and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body doesn't consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged, arranged, arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. I cannot say, verse 21, to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts, he's talking about the reproductive organs here, are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. But that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Last verse, verse 27. Now you, you, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Bless you, by the way. His name was Alfred. Blaylock. You may not know that name, but maybe you have a family member, or maybe you yourself have benefited from him. Dr. Alfred Blaylock was one of the major pioneers in bypass surgery. Oh, I thought someone was talking to me. It was Siri. <laughs> Amen, Siri. So here's Dr. Alfred Blaylock. He's a pioneer in and bypass surgery, and, um, and because of that, uh, because of that, he's saved a lot of lives, and he prolonged a lot of lives. He, because of his pioneering work, adorned the cover of a lot of magazines, had a lot of articles written about him, and he gained worldwide fame and acclaim. And yet, by Dr. Alfred Blaylock's own admission, None of his pioneering work would have been possible if it were not for a man lurking behind the scenes named Vivian Thomas. I didn't put a doctor title in front of Vivian because he wasn't. He was a black man who was a trained mechanic, auto mechanic, who never spent a single day in medical school. And yet Dr. Alfred Blalock says if it wasn't for Vivian Thomas... I wouldn't have been able to do what I did. See, Blalock entrusted Thomas to do practice surgeries on animals. I know I just lost just about all y'all being in the good state of California. And yet here's Alfred Blaylock. If you want to hear more about it, watch the movie, Something the Lord Made. Here is Alfred Blalock saying that while I'm gaining all the credit and the fame, I'm really being made too much of wasn't for this other person, this more anonymous person, I couldn't have done what I did do. It's a sad truth to life, and it's a truth that we even see in the church of Jesus Christ. Some people get way too much credit, and many others don't get enough. This is exactly Paul's point when we come to our text today. Here is Paul, he's writing to the church at Corinth, and the reason why he writes, chapter 1 tells us, is because there are divisions in the body. Paul has gotten a report from Chloe's house that there are schisms, there are factions that are developing, and Paul wades in because he wants unity to happen in the body of Christ. So on and on and on, every step of the way in the book of 1 Corinthians, we see Paul wading into this. He really begins by talking about uh, one cause of their division. It's because of a celebrity culture that had been caused and was being stirred up and facilitated. In the church there at Corinth, where you had some people saying, no, I'm of Paul. Another group saying, no, I'm of that silver-throat orator, Apollos. He's my favorite teacher and preacher. Others saying, no, I'm of Christ. Others saying, no, I'm of Cephas. I'm of Peter. They were factioning themselves off, splintering off to follow their favorite celebrity teacher. Sound familiar? Paul is saying, outside of Jesus, none of them died for you. So stop dividing. Now when we get to 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14, Paul deals with another source of their divisions. It has to do with them elevating certain people, certain gifts over the other. Chapters 12, 13, and 14 have to do with spiritual gifts. I'll talk some more about this in just a few moments. Paul wants us to understand when you got saved, the Holy Spirit got placed inside of you and gave you a gift or gifts that are supposed to be used for the edification of the body and the glorification of the God who sent his only son son to die for you so you've been given gifts but the problem in Corinth was they were kind of looking at people who had the gift of tongues or the gift of prophecy and saying you're on the varsity side of the kingdom while if you had the gift of administration or helps you're on the JV side of the kingdom and Paul is saying that is ridiculous stop splintering off So in chapters 12, 13, and 14, he talks about the body, and his message is clear. Everyone matters. You've been given a gift. You didn't probably negotiate with God. You didn't talk God into the gift that he gave you. And so for you to not be content with what you have is to unleash an assault on the goodness, benevolence, and sovereignty of God. In fact, that great love chapter is right smack dab in the middle of his discussion on spiritual gifts. And the reason for it is, he says, your gifts are to be operated not out of a sense of personal aggrandizement or personal glorification. They're to be operated out of the context of love. Because I love you, because I love the church, because I love God, I don't sit on the sidelines. I use the gifts God has given me to build up the body. It is a radical new way to look at the church. In other words, Paul is saying the church is not something that facilitates your consumerism. The church is to be something in which, out of love, I find my place in the body, I use my gifts to glorify God and to build up people. That is the message of the church there are no little people in the church of God. Everyone saved, has the spirit, has a gift or gifts. Use it. In other words, Paul is saying, look, the church is not like basketball or football where you've got five individuals or 11 individuals doing all the hard work in front of a packed stadium where they're just kind of looking at you, and then you've got people on the same team who are sitting on the bench watching five individuals or 11 individuals in the game and I'm just kind of sitting on the bench watching, watching, watching. That's not the church. The church isn't basketball or football. It's more like a rowing team. Ever seen a rowing team? I used to live in Philadelphia, and if you've ever been there, the Schuylkill River kind of winds through the city, and I just remember driving through Philadelphia, seeing the Schuylkill River, and and oftentimes what I would see are these rowing teams who would be out either uh, practicing or competing, And, and on a rowing team, they're packed into these little small boats, and ain't no spectators. They all got an oar, and they're all rowing. They're all putting in work. And not only do they have to row, but, 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 but you got to be synced up in your rowing. You don't just row on your own beat. That's counterproductive. You row together. And so using that oar, rowing in unity with the same goal in mind, now we get somewhere. Now there's movement. Now there's a sense of direction. Everyone on the rowing team matters. And so today I come to you, and I'm so excited. I'm not going to preach long. I got, I got a simple word, not a shallow word. I got a simple, simple word. There's nothing deep today. If you want the deep stuff, maybe come back next week. I'm preaching. Maybe there will be something deep. But today, simple, simple, simple. Today is Get In Sunday. I want to introduce to you a new rhythm at our church. We're going to do it twice a year, uh, every January, every August. We're just going to come to you. And uh, today, because of the weather, um, because of, you know, few little sprinkles, everything's shutting down, we want to go outside, uh, but we're moving everything inside, um, and, and today we just want to just take a step towards you, because I've heard many of you say, well, how do you get involved, and in, uh, well, how do you get involved in a growth group, and you know, I've got some passions that I, that I want to use, I want to invite all of us, after service, exit to my left, Your right, go through those doors, hang a left, fellowship hall, we've got some food for you, we've got a team there, you see many of us wearing t-shirts, they're going to have t-shirts on over there, and we're going to expose you to ways in which you can get off the bench and use the gifts that God has given you. So some of you are saying, man, I call Abundant Life home, love Abundant Life. How can I get involved? That's low-hanging fruit. We're going to meet you right there. Others of you uh, are are like, well, I'm serving in a certain area of ministry. I may want to try something new out. That's low-hanging fruit. We'll show you different things to do. And then others of you will actually walk through and go, man, I got a passion in this area, but I didn't see any of those things represented in the fellowship hall. Hear me say this. Let's talk about your passion, your idea, and maybe God's calling you to actually start something that blesses the body. But what we can't have are people on the sideline. We want to encourage encourage everyone to get in. Paul is saying in our text, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27, everyone matters And he gives us three fundamental principles as to why you should contemplate using the gifts God has given you for active participation in a local body of believers. The first thing he wants us to understand is, is the reason why you should contemplate using your gifts for the glory of God is because all of us have an assignment, in order to understand this, you need to understand that when you got saved, God gave you his spirit. Again, the Holy Spirit gave you a gift or gifts. If you read through the New Testament in places like 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, or 1 Peter, or Romans chapter 12, we understand what some of these gifts are. By the way, I don't think these spiritual gifts are, are comprehensive. I think they just give us a running start. And so some of these spiritual gifts are Our gifts of mercy, administration, teaching, leadership, tongues, interpretation of tongues, miracles, healing, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophecy, on and on we can go. God has given you gifts. And specifically, he says in verse 18 of these gifts, will you look at it with me? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Paul is writing in a language called Greek. The Greek word for arrange literally means assignment. When God saved you, saved you he gave you a gift, which means his gifts are linked to his assignment on your life. God will never call you to do something in which he does not come alongside of you and give you the requisite resources you need to carry it out. He's given you an assignment. He's he's arranged, and I love this, as he chose. So God gave you the gift. Now, what does this mean for me practically? Two things. Number one, if God's given me a gift, if there's an assignment on my life, That implies accountability. God is going to hold me accountable for what he gave to me. He's going to want to know, what did you do with what I gave you? To hear more about this at some time, you can read Matthew chapter 25. It's the parable of the talents. It's a story Jesus tells in which he talks of a man who goes away on a trip. Right before he goes away on the trip, he calls three individuals. He gives one individual five talents, another individual two talents, another individual one talent. Goes away on the trip. Then he comes back. Upon coming back, this master says in so many words, what did you do with what I gave you? The individuals with five talents and two talents, they, they use them. And he says, exactly, come, you're blessed. The other one buries them, and he dismisses them into eternal damnation. The idea here is if God has given you something, he's going to hold you accountable. God has given me, among other gifts, the gift of teaching. And I believe when I die and I stand to meet my Maker, He's gonna ask me, What did you do with what I gave you? There's accountability. But secondly, there should be humility in how I use my gifts. The Greek word for gift, when we talk about spiritual gifts, it is the Greek word charisma. In fact, oftentimes if you hear the word charismatic, for those of you who may have been around church for a while, that just comes from that Greek word. But here's what you need to understand about charisma, what we often call charismatic. It comes from a family of words that simply means grace. The gift that God's given you is just that. It is a gift. It's by his grace. He didn't have to do it. He did enough when he gave his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. So I understand that what I have received is a grace of God. They're literally spiritual graces. He's given me that grace, which means this. Be humble about it. Kendrick Lamar is right. Be humble. Be humble. I mean, so that's why, you know, when people invite me to speak certain places... I don't charge. I got I got preaching friends of mine. They charge ridiculous rates. And I'm going, I have a hard time charging for something that is a grace. <laughs> now, Bible does say, muzzle not the ox, so we're trying to work all that out, but here's what I want you to understand. It's a grace. God expects me to use it to build others up. A couple months ago, uh, it was early in the morning, I was taking one of my kids to school, and, uh, and I noticed he's, he walks out with this little, little, little plastic bag. I said, son, what's in the plastic bag? He goes, um, My shoes. I'm like, really? That's kind of interesting. You're taking your shoes in a plastic bag. Let me see them. I'm like, those are kind of new shoes. What are, you, what are you doing taking your new shoes in a plastic bag to school? He didn't really want to tell me. I fished it out of him. He goes, well, I'm going to sell them. <laughs> All right, I need you to rewind that. I need you to rewind that. Like, you're going to sell the shoes that I bought you? That still fit you? I bless that entrepreneurial spirit. Love it. But you can't get rid of, willy-nilly, what I gave you. You can't just dismiss it. it, They still fit, so I expect you to walk in it and use it. You know, we may laugh at that story, but That's what so many people in the body of Christ do. God's given them some things. They kind of put it in a plastic bag. It sits on a bench. And they never really use it. God says, no, no, no. I've assigned a gift or gifts in your life. I want you to use them. Secondly, Paul is saying everyone matters There are no little people that God has given us gifts. They are his assignment. But secondly, he wants us to understand that we all are an asset, that we all are an asset. Look at verses 23 to 24. Paul says, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Here's what Paul is doing as we wade into the analogy. In order to get us to understand there should be no divisions in the body, God's given you gifts. He expects you to use them. He uses a brilliant analogy. It is the analogy of the body. Here's the punchline to his analogy. He is communicating to us that there is is diversity within you unity so right now my body is all one part my arm isn't over there my foot isn't in the risers it is all together there's unity but within that unity there is necessary diversity in other words my body isn't just one big mouth that wouldn't be a body that'd be a monstrosity my body isn't one big eye that wouldn't be a body that would be a freak show In this unified whole, there are necessary diverse parts with each part playing a vital role to the healthy functioning of the body. That, Paul says, is exactly what the church at Abundant Life is supposed to be about. One body, different parts, those different parts are functioning. And I love what Paul is saying here. I, I, I got to show it to you again. Look back at verse 24. At verse 24, he says, which are presentable parts, do not require, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. What is he saying? Right now, we're looking at, uh, you're looking at my head, my mouth, my, my hands, my arms, so on and so forth. But what you don't see is my liver, my kidneys, My heart. Paul actually says the parts of the body that you don't see are actually more necessary than the parts you do see. (laughs) That's what he says. So you're looking at a mouth right now, you're listening to a mouth right now, but listen, if something goes wrong with my mouth, they'll figure out other ways to get nutrients in my body. I can go without a mouth. I can go without one or both my eyes. But Lord, help me if my liver shuts down. Lord, help me if my heart stops. It's a bit of a hyperbole, but here's what Paul is saying. Teachers in the church of Jesus Christ, we get way too much credit because at the end of the day, all I am is the mouth. If something goes wrong with me, there are a lot of mouths across the country who would love to fill this pulpit. But if you take our children's ministry, which is the liver of the church, and those workers decide one Sunday to go on strike, we're in a world of trouble. Those parts you don't see are deserving of honor. Everyone matters, everyone, everyone, everyone matters. I want you to take a trip with me to the Berean Bible Baptist Church. It's a little church I grew up in on the south side of Atlanta, Georgia. It's about 1981, 1982. Come with me. And we ain't going to be in church for just an hour and a half. It's the Chocolate Church down in the deep south. So church can start about 930 and it ends around 2-ish. I've been delivered from that. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Anybody been delivered with me? Church would start with Sunday school. Nine thirty. I'm sitting in the Sunday school class. Here I am, about eight, nine years old, feet dangling off the edge of the chair there, and um, and a woman by the name of Sister Odessa Conley and a man by the name of Brother Norman Johnson are teaching me the Word of God. You've never heard of them before. They've never been on TV. Never wrote a book. Never spoke at conferences. They were just faithful individuals who worked out in the marketplace, but every single Sunday without fail, they just showed up, showed up laying the biblical foundation. They were my first Old Testament professors, my first New Testament professors. In fact, a lot of the stuff that you're getting from me, that foundation was laid by two people you never heard of, livers in the body, who were just faithful people using their gifts to sow into the life of this child. While they were teaching, what you would probably uh, smell is the sweet aroma of a, of a woman by the name of Sister Vivian Russell, who, um, who had uh, gifts of help. She's in the kitchen. Uh, she's making uh, breakfast, sometimes lunch, because we were going to be in church that long. She just showed up serving in the kitchen. After that, we'd go upstairs, and the first person you'd see would be the head usher, Brother Ulysses. Every single Sunday he's there handing out bulletins with one arm. He lost his arm serving in Vietnam. But this brother manned his post every single Sunday. With a smile on his face, showed up, faithful. At the same time, lurking in the hallway somewhere was uh, a tall drink of water by the name of Brother Fussel. Brother Fussell, man, always wore a smile on his face, and I'm seeing his face now, and he always carried with him some kind of a cardboard box, and inside that cardboard box would be a freshly baked homemade strawberry cake. Lord have mercy, it's going to be at the Feast of the New Covenant. <laughs> Sometimes Brother Fussell would look at the sick and shut-in list. Anybody grew up in the church, they had a sick and shut-in list? And he would show up because he would know that a spouse or a loved one from a person who was on that list would be there. And he just wanted to encourage them. He was using gifts of encouragement and hospitality to brighten someone's day. Come with me inside the sanctuary. And you'd sit down. And there on the Hammond B3 organ would be Brother Smith. Brother Smith is... He was, uh, he, he was working at a, at a school, the head of their music department, but he showed up every single Sunday, just played that organ to the glory of God. One leading service was an architect by the name of, of Deacon Dixon, Boy, I just used to love hearing him pray in his sincere heart for God every single Sunday. And then when he was done, Pastor Herman Conley, the mouth of the body, would get up and preach. I just got to tell you, um, he would always give a solid word, but, but there, was, there was nothing special about his teaching or preaching yet here's this body, it's, it's growing and it's healthy. And why is it growing and healthy with just okay teaching from the mouth of the body? Because that body was not built and based on the mouth. It was built and based on everybody locking an arm saying, I've got a gift. I want to use it to build up the body of Christ. And so that's why we're doing Get In Sunday. No, we're not doing this to beg, get on board. But what we're saying is God has blessed you with something. If he's planted you here, he wants you to sow into the life of this church. It's time for the next round of Brother Fussels, Brother Ulysses, Sister Odessa Conley's. Thirdly and finally, Paul is saying everyone matters. There are no little people in the body of Christ. We all have an assignment. We, we are all an asset. But thirdly and finally, he says, we are all essential. I, I, I love what he says. Look at verse 21. In verse 21, Paul writes, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Look at what he does here. and I don't think he's random in the parts that he's picked. There's the eye and the head. These are real prominent features. Chances are when you first see a person, this is the first thing you notice, the eye and the head. But then you have the doers of the body, the hand and the feet. So he says to the prominent parts, the eye and the head, you cannot look at the doers of the body and say, I don't need you. This afternoon, many of you will be sitting in your TV room and your head will give you an idea that you'd like something to drink. Your feet will then swing in a motion, will carry you to the refrigerator. You'll open that thing up with your hands. You'll scan the refrigerator. Your head will lock in maybe on some juice. Your hands will pour that juice into a cup. You'll carry that cup back on your feet to the TV room and sit down and partake. In that moment, your eyes and your head and your hands and your feet all work together for a desired end. The image here is mutual interdependence. I need you, you need me. To say it another way, if everybody at Abundant Life who calls Abundant Life home isn't walking in their God-ordained gifts, something is off and missing with this body. Some of you are saying, well, wait a minute, Pastor, I just, little old me, I, it's just hard to believe that little old me could, could have an effect on this body, me, me using or not using my gifts. Ever had a toothache? I me mean, ever had a toothache? Everything shuts down, doesn't it? Schedule gets rearranged. Uh, you, you know, you, you, you make room. You sit in a chair you didn't want to sit in. You pay money you don't really have because this little old thing has caused huge stress in your body. Or ever been watching a sporting event and the announcer comes on and Talks about some big three hundred pound lineman not playing in the game today because this lineman, bless his heart, has turf toe. And you are going, what in the world? Three hundred something pounds and a little toe is keeping you out of the game. What do these homespun analogies communicate? They communicate that everyone matters. That even small things are necessary within the body of Christ. Everyone. Everyone matters. Let me end with, with two thoughts. One, I want to just give us three cautions that I think every church has to wrestle with as it relates to people and challenges they'll have to using their gifts. You just go ahead and put them on the, on the screen here. One is... I'm really concerned that what Paul was dealing with back in his day, that the Church of Jesus Christ continues to deal with our day, and it's what I'd call a celebrity culture. Some of you, um, and I say this in all humility, maybe you're saying, well, I'll just tell you the truth, Pastor, I'm here because, because of you. I'm here maybe because I heard your radio, heard you some podcasts, saw you on YouTube, read a book that you wrote, heard you about some conference. I'm here because of you. In fact, Pastor, I just, let's just keep it 100. If I hear you ain't going to be here, I ain't going to be here. I don't think I need to explain to you how faulty this is. Your salvation doesn't rest on me. I didn't die on the cross for you. And let's just really keep it 100 if I had the option to die on the cross for you. love you love (laughs) you you got one savior and it ain't me it's Jesus so hopefully when you come to church you should be able to see Jesus and on a good day hopefully you should be able to look at me and see Jesus but there will be some days you'll need to look around me and still see Jesus so let's go to war with the celebrity culture Another challenge is consumerism. So are saying, Pastor, let me just keep it real. I'm here because you give a good word. I'm here because my kids love safari kids. I'm here because this church is meeting my need. Well, if that's the case and you're not contributing, that's entitlement. One author writes, consumption without contribution is entitlement. Yes, we want to meet your needs, but we also want this to be a two-way street. Don't just receive, give. My third concern is capitalism. I think this is a recent concern in the church, and I've kind of caught wind of it. So you're saying, man, my time is real stretched. I don't have a lot, lot of time on my hand. Uh, yeah, there's some things I could do, but if I do them, I need to be paid. I've heard that. I want to be careful and balance this out. I also have heard of churches who kind of take advantage of people. Have them working all kinds of hours. And so, so y'all need to be able to say, I got a job. And I do think there's a point where churches can take advantage of people. So, so we're going to work hard as a church to not take advantage of you, but you also need to communicate to us, draw some healthy boundaries. I can give you this amount of time. But at the end of the day, if God's given you the gift and the church isn't taking advantage of you, there should be a sense in which you go, this service is as unto the Lord. Come on, Cormac, we're done. Right now, all of us, unless you had it taken out, you've got something that sits in your body that we don't quite know what it does. It's called an appendix. It just sits. We don't know what the function is. It just sits. Lord have mercy. Don't let this thing that just sits get irritated. Because this thing, if it gets irritated and starts to fussing, your whole body is in a world of hurt. I've been in a lot of churches in my life. And I've met some appendixes. They just sit, don't quite know what you do, but you just sit and you got an opinion on everything. And you cuss and fuss and raise hell. Don't be that way. At Abundant Life, there are no appendixes I got two amens on this side of the sanctuary. At Abundant Life, there are no appendixes. So I want to encourage you. At the end of service, we're headed that way. There's going to be some food for you. There's going to be opportunities for you to hear about growth groups and areas of ministry in which you can serve it should be people you can fellowship, people you can meet. This church will never be all that God has called us to be unless we all pick up an oar. Use what God has given us for his glory and for the good of his people. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless you in this place today. We honor you. No, oh, this ain't some Keith Sweat sermon where I'm begging. I'm not begging, Lord Jesus. This is me wanting people to step into your God-ordained assignment on our lives. So, Father, would you just unleash your gifts to this body, whether it's teaching, whether it's ministration, whether it's helps, whatever it may be, everyone matters. And So, Father God, we receive that today. We walk in it today in the name of Jesus. Father, would you be so kind as to save someone's soul today? Would you be so kind as to minister to someone's need today? Would you be so kind, Lord God, as to bring home wayward sinners back into right relationship with you? Do it, Father God, we
0: pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Look at what's going on this week at Abundant Life. Jesus Among Secular Gods is an equipping center class which answers difficult questions about science, the Bible, evolution, atheism, the Big Bang, and religious equality. The classes take place on Sundays starting January 20th through February 24th from 12 to 1:30 p.m. Child care is available with pre-registration. Be sure to save the date for our upcoming 30th anniversary celebrating God's faithfulness to ALCF and three years of pastoral leadership by Pastor Brian Luritz. This special event takes place on Sunday, March 3rd, from 6 to 8 p.m. in the sanctuary and features guest speaker Bishop Ulmer and the choir from Faithful Central Bible Church in Los Angeles, as well as our annual Servant Leader Award. Join Beth Anslem and Sander Lewis-Williams for the next Women's Bible Study Anxious for Nothing, in which they'll explore the assurances that God hears our prayers and promises peace according to Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7, as presented in the book Anxious for Nothing by Max Lucado. The meetings take place on Sundays starting January 20th through February 24th from 1230 to 2 p.m. And get ready for 10 Women of the Bible, another women's Bible study in which Max Lucado Shares some of his favorite accounts of women featured in the Bible, including Sarah, Abigail, Esther, the Samaritan woman, Mary Magdalene, and others. The meetings take place on Tuesdays, starting February 5th through April 16th, from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. in the chapel. Don't miss Get In Sunday, a great opportunity to meet our leadership, get exposed to our growth groups, and discover ways to use your unique abilities at Abundant Life. Join us on January 13th from 12 to 1.30 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall and back parking lot for this great event, which also includes lunch. If you're married or engaged, we've got you covered with three special events. The topic for the next Couples Night Out event is blessing and strengthening your bond. Make plans to join the Hanes along with other ALCF couples for a fun-filled evening of Fellowship, which includes dinner and dessert. This event takes place on Saturday, February 9th, from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. And get ready for some fun and interactive learning tools to help strengthen communication within your relationship at the Couples Communication Workshop. This event takes place on Saturday, February 16th, from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. Don't miss God's Plan for Marriage, a marriage enrichment workshop in which the Harveys will lay a foundation for the big picture of marriage. This event takes place on Sunday, February 17th from 12 to 2 p.m. Child is available for these three events with advanced registration at alcf.net slash signups. To sign up for any of these upcoming events, go to alcf.net slash signups and check out the ALCF app. And remember, Abundant Life exists to make a better you for a better world.